Hello and welcome to Walton Biz Talk. So today we're here with Olivia Morgan, who is a senior psychology major um, with a minor in Indigenous Studies. Uh, welcome, Olivia, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, we're going to start just by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, so I am from Arkansas. I grew up around the area um, of Northwest Arkansas my entire life. Graduated from Bentonville High School and like you said before, I'm a psychology uh, major with an Indigenous Studies minor, which I've already completed. Um, I am Choctaw in Chickasaw, and I am president of the Native American Student Association. So that's kind of a broad overview um, <laughs> of myself. Perfect. Okay, so um, this season we're kind of we're focusing on leadership. So could you touch a little bit, I guess, about what a leader means to you or what being a leader means to you? The word leadership um, obviously has different like meanings to different people. Uh, for me, it's, it's kind of like bringing people together for a bigger cause, um, whether that's celebrating something or um, you're recognizing a deficiency um, in a community or in a larger space. So you want to address that. So you need someone that can bring people together, you need people that will be able to organize, um, and this could be more than one leader and one group, but I think it's a very important skill to have um, if you're into that. Of course, not everybody can be a leader, um, but I think to have an effective, um, I guess, movement or an effective cause um, going forward, you need someone that is able to lead that forward. Hmm. So you sound like you have like a very specific vision when you talk about leadership. Uh, you're talking about like a cause or, or um, kind of gathering people. I'm really interested, like how, how did you develop that viewpoint? Like where did this sort of, I need to fill a gap, which is kind of what you said, right? Like yeah. how, how did that develop? Like what happened or, or what, what sort of spurred that? Well, I think looking back in history, when we think of leaders, we think of people that spoke out against something. You think of Martin okay. Luther King Jr., you, mm -hmm. you think of civil rights movement, you think of um, even political activists. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of anyways. Yeah. Um, I think of leaders because they spoke out against something or they um, have a idea um, that can or cannot be or was not, you know, very popular. Because um, I do think you have to be kind of outspoken in your ideas. Um, you can't really be complacent sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, when you do that, you may lose the hold you have. Um, people aren't really fighting for you, um, probably, if you're just complacent with a lot of things. Um, so to be successful, you kind of do have to, as a leader, you do have to speak out a little bit, I mean, about what you believe in. Um, so, I don't know, I just had, I kind of have a, uh, how would you put it? I don't want to say activist because everyone's like, ooh, activism, you know? <laughs> uh, but when I think of leadership, I think of people that have stood up for people that were not able to speak for themselves or mm -hmm. were not being listened to. Um, of course, you have leaders that are like our presidents or anything like that that we elect. Um, but I think where real change and real improvements come from are from people that are just regular people that want to make a difference. So that's where I see, that's where I saw um, leadership roles and I really like that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, granted, those can become elected officials. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so I don't, I don't really know where it came from, but I, I just always had noticed those kinds of people right. in my life, or just like when we were talking about history, those are the people I was like, man, they are just so amazing, they're so awesome. So that's where I've always kind of looked to um, when thinking about leadership. Okay. I love that. So yeah. It's kind of like the most important change always originates sort of at the grassroots level. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what everyone talks about. Like, right. don't forget about grassroots politics and that kind exactly. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're the president of the Native American Student Association. Yes. Um, and did your idea sort of of a leader, um, did it influence your decision to be a part of this and eventually lead this organization? It was really funny. So... I got involved with the group when I was a sophomore. Um, it was really just like, I heard about the organization and I was like, wow, this sounds like a really um, cool thing. Um, I'm Native American, and but I didn't feel like I had a community of people I could really talk about um, like my identity with um, that would understand completely. So I thought this group was really you know, amazing. So I was like, great, I can finally like be with people that are like me. Um, and so I started going to meetings. I met a few people that I, you know, really got close with. Um, we were pretty small when I joined. Um, so the spring semester of my sophomore year, we hosted a powwow, um, which is like a Native American celebration with dancing and singing and you know, um, really amazing things. Um, and I helped with the organization of that, and that was like really intense. Um, it takes a lot to plan that kind of thing. Um, so I really got to see the behind the scenes of like, not even just how to like run a, a, a powwow, but like how to do like a bigger event, um, not just as like an RSO, but like in general, um, mm-hmm. it can be very daunting. Um, and so it was, it was a very awesome experience. Um, but when the president um, and treasurer and I think another officer they all graduated that semester. So they were looking for people to fill those roles. Um, you know, coincidentally, there were only a few members at the time. I was one of them. And they were like, hey, I think you'd be a great um, president, is what the former president said to me. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'm just a sophomore. Like, I don't really have a lot of experience. Um, at the time, I was involved in another RSO, um, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, the U of A chapter. Um, so I was already involved with them, so I was like, I don't know, like, this sounds kind of, like, scary a little bit. Um, but I guess they saw something in me that was, you know, potential, I guess. And uh, me and my roommate and good friend of mine uh, became officers. And so we were like, okay, we're going to do it. Um, <laughs> So you hadn't really like seen yourself in a role like that before? It just kind of evolved? No. Um, yeah. I really I felt like a besi- behind the scenes kind of person. Yeah. Um, I definitely was like, I was I was really excited about it. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like, oh no, like I'm going to do a terrible job. Like, yeah. I, was like <laughs> I was like, okay, like I'll try to do the best I can, um, you know, without really knowing a lot about how um, RSOs work mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I was like, I guess I'll try. Um, <laughs> so pretty much you know, fall semester of my junior year, uh, me and, and Gabby, we were, were like, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> like, you know, we'd been planning over the summer. I'm um, like, how are meetings going to look? You know, like stuff like this. And so 
That first semester was rough. We did not have a lot of people show up. Mm. Um, we had a few people show up, you know, uh, but typically it was just me, her, and maybe one or two other people. Um, so that made having events really hard because you need people to help with those events. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have a lot of membership. It's, it's hard. Um, but we pushed through. Um, and then we kind of got involved in the discussion of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a silent um, demonstration that semester, and it kind of got word out about our organization as well as the issue that we were talking about. Um, but yeah, so I think having that really helped with like um, visibility. Mm-hmm. People knew about us more. So people started coming to our meetings more and started be more involved. Um, so with the uh, Dakota Access um, issue, we kind of wanted this to start a conversation. So we got a table in the union and we had some signs um, and we had the petition. Um, at the time there was a petition for it. Um, we would just talk to people. They would come up, oh, what's going on? Here's the issue, here's what's going on, here's the facts. And we kind of let them decide if mm-hmm. they felt like this was good or bad. Right. We said if you feel um, so inclined to, we have the petition right here. Um, you can sign it right now. Um, which was online, so it made it great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love the internet. You know, like <laughs> they really here for us. Um, so we did this, and I think it was really nice because we weren't really trying to like shove an opinion down someone's throat. Yeah. We were really just having a conversation. Like, listen. We even had like fact sheets. We're like, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, people obviously came up to us and didn't agree with what we're doing, and we were like, okay, like that's fine. Like, you're allowed to have an opinion. You know, that's totally fine. Um, so I think that's what made it good. Right. Um, granted, some other members and. Um, people uh did go to other protests mm-hmm. in Tulsa um but that was on their own accord right nothing to do with uh, with the native group at all um and I made sure everybody that was involved in the group if they ever talked to anybody they were just there on their own accord right um because I didn't want you know if we're like oh we're here for this and we're against this I don't every time I talk to people I do not seek to represent Mm-hmm. Native people in general, or even the Native people on the campus, right. um, because people have different opinions, well, and so we can't do that. Why do you? I mean, why do you think it's really important to make that distinction? Like just just to just to look, make make sure people know there's like diversity among the group, or like what what's the importance of that distinction? Because you've mentioned that a few times. So I'm just yeah. I, I want to like dig yeah. a little deeper and see like what. Um, I think that really is what it is. Um, that. You know, not only do Native Americans, they're so diverse. So when I say Native American cultures, it's not a culture, cultures. Okay. There are over 500 different tribes. Mm-hmm. That means that there's thousands upon thousands, millions, you know, so many Native American people out there. Um, you would not, I guess, um, group, I mean, you, I mean, people do this, uh, but they'll, you know, say like, this one person said this, so obviously everybody thinks that right. in this group. Whether that's an ethnicity, whether that's a political party, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, a town. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, why would you do that for an ethnicity mm-hmm. or a culture group, you know, when you wouldn't really... Well, you could do that. People would do that. <laughs> uh, but People just, do that, but it's... But when you shouldn't... When it maybe doesn't necessarily represent the whole. Yeah. It, yes. So, it, and it's really important to me personally, um, because I never want to 
do that. I never want to be like, I am the spokesperson or I am this, I am that. I am my own opinion. I am my own thoughts and views. Um, so I don't want to represent anybody else. Right. Um, maybe when it counts, so if I'm talking to someone that's not educated on Native American issues, I'll say, okay, these are the problems. Um, in that instance, you kind of have to be. Right. Um, quote unquote, spoke person. You know, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that, but you know, it's saying like, here are the problems, or here are the great things going on. Like, oh, did you know this? Or did mm-hmm. you know that? You know, the people that wouldn't know that in the first place. Right. So in that instance, I think it's good. When it's on a, especially a political issue, it gets murky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you wouldn't say all Democrats believe in this one thing. Right. When it's, you know, a political issue. Um, because sometimes it's not, you know, you have people that are like more liberal or more conservative. Mm-hmm. So it's a spectrum, just like any other group, it's a spectrum. Yeah. Very cool. And I think um, your hesitance, I think maybe to speak for an entire group kind of embodies your leadership in a way, mm-hmm. because um, you're kind of saying like, yes, I will be in this leadership position, but I'm not going to like form your opinions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's part of like, being a good leader. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess why would you say, um, why would you say that the Native American Student Association, mm-hmm. um, why are these groups like this important on campus? Important. I mean, I think having a cultural um, or ethnicity-based organizations are always important. As long as they're um, done correctly, which means they're done by the people of that organization. Um, granted, the people that can appreciate cultures and appreciate uh, groups like that, uh, but I think it holds more power when it's the people of that um, group um, or of that uh, culture to represent themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, for Native Americans, um, or I guess for my organization, it's important to me because people don't often realize, first of all, number one, that Native American people exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be so surprised um, of how many discussions I've had with people that think we literally just don't exist. Um, we died, you know, throughout oh years, goodness. we all died. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like stuff like that. And I'm like, well, it's not. Um, and it's not just people that are in America, people from other countries. Because mm. um, we do have a lot of people that are international students, um, and they're often very surprised when they hear Native Americans still exist. Because mm. all they know are the, like the Westerns. Um, right. Wow. They saw that people in other countries watch Westerns, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, like we just killed them all. Like, I know. Um, so that's, that's the number one, I think, thing that, you know, is important to have these kind of organizations. Number two, um, I think it is important because you have people of these groups, of these ethnicities, these cultures and tribes um, that may not feel like they have a place, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially at University of Arkansas. um, We don't have a large population of Native students. It doesn't mean we don't have one. Right. Um, And it's, you know, it's nice to see the other groups that have like a lot of people in the organizations. Um, And I feel like sometimes we understand or can kind of grasp like, oh, this is what this organization is, who they are. You don't really get that with the Native American group um, because there's such a lack of information about 
who Native Americans are, mm-hmm. you know, as modern day people, like who are we? Not just our history, but like what's going on right now? Right. Um, and so something that I'd like to reiterate is like, we're not just here talking about our history. We're here to talk about what's going on right now. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on right now. Um, and has been for the past 10 years, um, more than maybe the public knows about. Um, so at a university, I think it's important to have these organizations um, just to be a community for the Native students, but also to help people know about these communities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you're, I, I know earlier you mentioned that you found like a, a sense of belonging or like a community when you joined. So how has that changed your college experience or how do you feel like that's changed your college experience? Like finding this community and like becoming a part of it and I guess then becoming the leader. So it wasn't that I didn't feel necessarily connected, but connected with um, people that could understand certain parts of me. Right. Um, So that's what really helped because I feel like if you're not just a native student, but any student that comes from a different background um, and you come to campus, you kind of feel like you're forced to assimilate in a way, mm-hmm. forced to fit in, like how you do that, you know? And um, I think a lot of people that have been in our organization has felt that. They felt like they couldn't really talk about what they wanted to, or they didn't feel like there was any, like, representation for them. Right. So I think that's what kind of helps me kind of find a community, mm-hmm. finding something that could I could connect with people to connect with um and even learn about other people's experiences you know even though you know we're like oh yeah we're all like native um but we all have very very different experiences of how we experience that um so that's what's been like probably the best part about um you know when I got in there I was like well like there's like never knew so much about this tribe or you know I never been to this place so I want you know people would tell me about it I'm like well that sounds really awesome you know (laughs) yeah but yeah so it sort of it spreads awareness not only like for the culture and for the group but it also gives people an opportunity to find like a community within the university exactly exactly yeah very cool um so you're a psychology major and you have a minor in indigenous studies yes so can you tell us maybe a little bit about how these two things go together if they go together or how you see them interacting or like mm-hmm. maybe interacting in a future career or Right, so, um, like I said earlier, um, pretty much when people think about Native Americans, they think of, they usually have a very broad um, blanket statement or feeling, or it's not really complex. So going into it, people have to remember people are complex in general, you know, yeah. but, you know. So how psychology, my degree, and then also this minor, um, which minors helped immensely, um, but also just me having a, a background um, being Choctaw and Chickasaw. Um, the people that are of this group, of the Native American uh, group in America, and not just America, but also in other um, countries as well, they have, predominantly they have a pretty, uh, let's say, what are the words I'm looking for? They have, I would say bad health, but um, healthcare, mm. uh, access to healthcare, um, but also um, health concerns are really high um, for Native American people. Um, 
So I don't know if you know what this is, the Indian Health Services. So that's a, it's really complex to explain, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's pretty much um, a healthcare system for Native American people, um, which is in contract with the federal government between Native America. Um, it's a very complicated issue. I mm-hmm. cannot begin to explain how they're connected. It was through a treaty. Right. Years and years ago. Most people, I think most people don't know that Native Americans have their own government. Oh, yes. And I think that might help with the explanation because a lot of people don't realize that, Mm -hmm. um, that they have their own, like, leaders and that their own uh, Mm -hmm. elected officials. And not just, so also to go off that, um, Native American tribes have a government-to-government relationship Mm -hmm. with the federal government. So it would be like the United States interacting with Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. not it's not like a state like a Arkansas dealing with uh, federal, with the federal government. It's supposed to be right in a perfect world. It right. would be a government to government relationship. Um, and every not every single tribe, but every federally federally recognized tribe uh, typically has their own government. So mm-hmm. Choctaw Nation has their own government, and we elect our officials. The Cherokee Nation has their own government. So you have three hundred plus of these federally recognized tribes that mm-hmm. have their own governments and elected officials. It's important that tribes have their own um, government to me because that way they can... And it's also important for tribes to be able to choose who's in their tribe. That's also our issue. Um, but people that are not recognized tribes, it's really hard. Um, not only to keep a record, first of all, of who is in that tribe, but they don't have like a government system to help regulate certain things and right. provide health care, you know, and stuff like that. So again, really complex issue. Um, but going back to like the health and, mm-hmm. you know, psychology and indigenous studies, um, that's where it comes in is, okay. you know, these people have, I mean, Native Americans significantly have a higher rate of suicide um, in young adults. So like 15 or 16 to about 23 you see higher statistical rates of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that really hits me um, because, well, first of all, I feel like that would hit anybody, kind of right. like, wow. <laughs> um, but it's it's a mental health problem, um, but there's, you know, like why, you know, why, why is that happening? Um, and one word I like to say is intergenerational trauma, um, which is mm-hmm. based off of a thing called epigenetics. Um, which is basically saying that trauma that you experience can get passed down biologically um, in like your DNA to your offspring. So if you think about Native American history, um, we have first of all the genocide, you know, the wars, the battles you hear about, like in the 1800s, you know. Okay. But it didn't stop there. Um, you have boarding schools, mm-hmm. um, which pretty much were used to assimilate Native people. They mm-hmm. were forced to speak. They were taken away from their homes. Um, most burned or got rid of their traditional clothing, were forced to wear what they brought, cut their hair, um, which is for a lot of tribes, um, they were not supposed to do that. Um, so traumatic for right. a child. Um, and then told them they can't speak their language, you have to learn English, um, pretty much taught them, you know, Christianity, this is you know what we do. Um, and a lot of times there's abuse, physical, emotional, you know, everything you think of. Um, so that, and that happened until the 1970s. Mm-hmm. That was still legal 
till the 1970s. Um, so, wow, I didn't yeah, know that. I didn't yeah. know that either. Um, so today, many Native people have family that were in these boarding schools. Wow. Generations of people, not yeah. just one generation, but multiple. Um, my great grandmother, she was, and her siblings were in boarding schools. Hmm. Um, so you have all this trauma happening for generations. Mm-hmm. You know, the Trail of Tears obviously was in there too. You know, you, you have so much going on. Right. So when you think about it like that and you bring in like what epigen- epigenetics are and mm-hmm. generational trauma, it kind of makes more sense as to why, you know, there's really bad like health problems, but not just health problems, but mental health problems. Um, more rates of, uh, higher rates of depression and anxiety um, and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Proportionally, you know, compared to the rest of America. Um, but you kind of see the same thing when you go to like Hawaii. The native Hawaiians also have uh, worse health mm-hmm. than compared to other Hawaiians. Um, so it's not just, you know, just Americans, but um, a lot of indigenous communities around the world right. have these problems um, with, you know, colonization. Colonialization mm-hmm. um, is a big effect. <clears throat> so that's kind of <laughs> overarching. Um, that's how it kind of connects, you know. Right, and right. I think when you think of, okay, inter- intergenerational trauma, how do you heal that? You know, how does one... Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think that's a lot of people are doing research on that right, right now. It's a kind of a new, it's not really a new thing. You know, science is like, oh, we, we discovered this. But the Native people have known. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, mm-hmm. They've known this is a problem, you know. <laughs> right. When you experience a problem, it gets kind of passed down. Like, it doesn't just erase. And I think, you know, it's, it's a pressing issue because you do have these kids that are trying to kill themselves. And it's like why um and i think part of it is genetics um with like depression anxiety Mm -hmm. but also it's this crazy world we live in where people these kids are either they grow up you know in arkansas like i did or you know they grow up away from the communities um but then you have the kids that grow up in the communities um and then they face this do i they kind of, I wouldn't say they live in two worlds, but I would say there's conflicting ideas. Mm-hmm. So they may try to go out into the bigger society and people are racist towards them. Um, they mock them or, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a really complicated issue. Um, so they may be bullied or they may not be understood. Right. They have no one to understand them. Um, or back home, you know, their their family may be like, do, do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you doing it? this other way um so and again this is not for everybody but um that's an idea people have proposed that it's this struggle between who am i like two worlds yeah Yeah. um because this person is existing one at home and then one in the bigger world like what should they do which you know when obviously me i didn't grow up um within my community Mm -hmm. so i I never had that problem but i do i i understand I understand not really knowing where you fit into this world, which many teenagers experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be high. It can be heightened, um, especially if you already have pre-existing um, issues at hand. Which in psychology, you know, you have um, the onset of certain diseases and depends on your environment, but also genetically, and that can be very different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
I think a lot of tribes now are looking at preventative care, um, how to prevent these cases of suicide, um, which is, it's a hard topic to talk about. Right. Not just for America, but for these communities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really hard to talk about, and people don't like to talk about it. Right. Um, so how do you address that? And I don't have the answer, but... Right. Um, well, I think the fact that you are, you know, starting the conversation or engaging in the conversation mm-hmm. is important. And this is, you know, you're very vocal about the stigmas of mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, you even have a blog about it. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm kind of, I mean, I think, you know, how your decision to advocate for mental health is obviously tied into your Indigenous mm-hmm. roots. But I'm also curious, like, where did you find the courage to use your voice for this? Like, right. did it come through the leadership position in, in NASA? Or were you kind of like, did they come at the same time? Or... or um, so, like I said before, I was involved in the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's kind of where it started. Um, because people don't like to talk about it. They don't like to right. talk about mental health. Or mental, when you say mental health, people automatically think mental illness. Right. That's not necessarily true. Everybody has um, a gauge of mental health. Mm-hmm. Is it good or bad? Is it medium? You know, like not really. The spe- it's a spectrum, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, when I got to college and I learned about it, I was like, oh, like I'm a psychology major. And, like... I'm interested in helping people. Um, so, but even before I started college, I was, you know, I want to be a counselor, I want to be a therapist, I want to help people through their problems, you know, and so I already kind of like had that feeling of wanting to help people that mm-hmm. way. Um, and then got into that organization, was really involved for a while, and um, we did a lot of stuff with like advocacy. Um, so we, and it was through the social, it, um, so it wasn't through the social work. Um, department, but um, we had a lot of social workers that were in that organization. And if you know anything about social work, they're all about advocating um, for mental health. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of where I got inspiration from was <laughs> um, knowing people that were very outspoken. Right. And I was like, wow, like they can do that, you know. Right. Um, and in the blog, I originally was going to keep private. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, ah, I want to write down my thoughts. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I was like, well, What's the point of doing that? I mean, it's right. nice to journal, you know, mm-hmm. be like, oh, this is how I felt when this happened. But I wanted to decrease the stigma of talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, people get very like, ooh, you know, don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> or like, oh, are you okay going to therapy? Like, something wrong with you? And it's like, well, maybe, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. But I think it's, especially in Arkansas, I feel like it's different. Um, to talk about that kind of thing. We're, I know people from other states and other areas, and they're just like, it's not really that weird of a topic to talk about. Even if it is kind yeah. of weird, it's not as, like, repressed, I think, Yeah. Um, as this area is. Well, Fayetteville's a little different right. than the rest of the communities. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm but. from Central Arkansas, and just in the last 10 years, I think I've seen the shift in the conversation of mental health. 10 years ago, we, we probably wouldn't have asked this question. Exactly. You know, like there, there was like a discomfort um, that existed and it's been interesting, but also very encouraging to see like the mm-hmm. way people are a- willing and able um, and advocating for right. the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, it's nice. My Arkansas <laughs> um, experience yeah. is very similar. Yeah. But yeah. People always talk about it, especially like, you know, especially if you have some maybe some radical ideas about it you know which is not radical because I firmly believe that you know everyone should at least go to one session (laughs) one time just to see what it is right Um, because 
you like never know mm-hmm. um, if you know, and even if you don't have like a serious problem, you may just be like stressed out, and this is mm-hmm. in the middle of semester, and you're just like, I am just at wit's end. I can't handle this. You know, right. I've seen plenty of students like that, and what do they do? They just kind of like exist more. You know, right. they don't really try to like talk to anybody about it. They just kind of like let it get there, and mm-hmm. and, and I can tell you, I've been there. I am like, nope. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. I just need to power through it, and I'll be fine at the mm-hmm. end of the semester. What you find yourself doing is at the end of the semester, you're just like, I hate everybody. I don't want to do anything. Right, <laughs> I right. want to turn my assignments in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, you're very stressed out, and just as a student, you know. But then you add on, like, well, maybe you've had problems in the past, you know, or anything like that. So that could also cause mm-hmm. a lot of problems. So that's kind of what I decided to do is, you know, talk about it more. Um, just on my social pa- platform. Right. Obviously, like, I'll talk to anybody about it, um, you know, in person, if they feel so inclined to. Um, <laughs> but I just felt I was going to benefit more from sharing my story mm-hmm. um, and how I've kind of handled it. And not only really handled it, but am handling it. Speaking of counseling <laughs> services, just because, like, we're talking about therapy and how important it is. And I think mm-hmm. the point that you brought up about people should just try it is really important. Mm-hmm. So we do have free counseling services on campus. Free counseling. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought it was so <laughs> neat. What oh, I had never even thought of this, but when you're like stressed out just during the semester mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for no reason, like right, because you might have a bunch of tests or mm-hmm. something. Right. It's not stupid to go and talk to someone. Yeah, about exactly. It. Yeah. Right. Um, it's really helpful, I think, to and, vent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also thought your blog and like uh, I guess um, how you wrote it was kind of refreshing because I know on social media, especially on Twitter, like, um, there's a lot of jokes about mental health, like, mm. everything. Did you see joke. my rant? <laughs> <laughs> did you read my rant? Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, which sort of makes it, um, and I think intentionally makes it a little bit less serious than it is, mm. which goes back to people not wanting to talk about right, it. Right, right. Um, so I think it's nice that you just, like, talk about it and you mm. don't, um, make it less than it is by mm-hmm. joking about it. Right. If someone yeah. does, is really depressed, maybe they feel like they can't say it, or like mm-hmm. like the word that has just as driving the word trigger, which is a very real uh, thing. Right. Um, for many disorders, so like if you have like PTSD, for example, you could have a trigger that means like an event or something you saw or heard triggers a response mm-hmm. from you or a flashback um or if you're have high anxiety or depression you can have certain stimulus simulations or uh, mm-hmm. stimulations sorry that would trigger that um like an episode mm-hmm. or something like you know what i'm saying so people would just like i'm so triggered right now and i'm just like oh, yeah. can you not like <laughs> and i and it's I, become like a, a bit of a, a joke it is oh, um, sure, yeah. especially in the world of the internet like, yeah and so that's why i try to do like when i talk about things is just keep it very like okay like it can be funny but you know maybe it's not maybe <laughs> and, and i get you know we're human beings and we slip up sometimes and i get that but um especially when i stuff i put out on social media or stuff i put out on my blog I try to um I don't try it just kind of happens um it's just like how I write um generally not how I write but um if I'm just talking this is how I would talk if I'm writing yeah. um, obviously it's not how I write essays um but um 
just trying to just be real like I'm not trying to be like oh my gosh I went to therapy today and like I just feel so much better like everything's <laughs> perfect now right like oh today was good but I still have some things to work out you know and it's I people like to do that a lot they're like oh my life is so great <laughs> they have this persona they put out to the world but like on Instagram you have all these perfect pictures everyone's smiling everyone's just having a great time and sometimes it's not like that you know <laughs> I can guarantee that whoever profile you're looking at, like that's not their life twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, and so well, I don't want to hope not. seem like that at all. So. Well, um, you're kind of with the mental health and with the um, Native American Asso- or Student Association. Mm-hmm. You're advocating. They're both. Um, I guess they can be very serious topics, sort of. Yes. Um, and so, do you ever find yourself overwhelmed at all? Um, that's why I go to therapy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, but. It can be very overwhelming um, because when you have certain opinions, um, people are not going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're outspoken, kind of like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, people are not going to like you um, or want to argue with you constantly. You're just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, so that can be kind of overwhelming if I put something out there, especially about uh, the Native American stuff. Um, people get very heated. Um, if they, especially if they have preconceived notions about things, um, that can be kind of stressful. Because um, when you, especially if it's people you know, mm-hmm. so if someone yeah. you know is like attacking you or making you feel less than, that can kind of suck. Um, but I don't think necessarily that just like advocating for these two things are what makes me kind of like, ugh, so tired and stressed out. But it's kind of what I get in return. It's mm-hmm. what um, makes it kind of like bogs down a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this is pretty much what I live and breathe on a daily basis. Um, granted, I have other interests and hobbies. <laughs> um, but, you know, at work and at, um, you know, my extra time um, I spend with the Native American group. Um, advocating for mental health is kind of a sporadic thing for me but I do it pretty constantly um so yeah I mean it can be very overwhelming when you have certain opinions um (laughs) but I I really do enjoy or else I wouldn't do it well what what has been the most rewarding experience in your leadership role or roles really just like in general um some rewarding things um it was kind of a long-term one just seeing how much the Native American group has grown mm-hmm. at the university has really just been like every time we have a meeting and we have like so many, it may not seem like a lot of people, just, you know, others, but for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we filled the room, you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, yes, you know, all the seats are taken, you know, and um, I, that's something that really just gets me happy. Like, I'm just like, yes, like, I'm so excited about this. Uh, so that's like really just like a very general feeling of just like we're growing so much as an organization and that really makes me really happy. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, there were two things um, that have been really cool in the past year. Um, I got to speak at a dedication ceremony for the Native American exhibit on the fourth floor of the Union. Um, you're more welcome to go there. It's right in the middle in the hallway. Um, so I was introduced by the Vice Chancellor, uh, Charles Robinson. And so that was really cool. So like he like introduced me to come speak, and I was like, whoa, like yeah. this is cool. Like, uh, but you know the whole group um, helped with it. So they like invited us, like, hey, we want your group to be a part of this dedication ceremony. 
So like I did a little speech and then some members kind of explained the different panels that are on the exhibit. That was a really cool moment, I think, for our organization. Yeah. What is the, can you tell us about the exhibit? Yeah, so the exhibit is pretty much um, the tribes that used to live in Arkansas. So yeah, it's just about those tribes. Um, and then there's also like, what is it called? Like glass covered, mm -hmm. tiny um, boxes. Uh, I don't yeah, know the cases. Yeah. Cases um, <laughs> that have artifacts. Um, but oh, also awesome. we have, you know, more modern workings that are like done like in the late 90s um that are like replicas that uh, for, like native people have made these right um so that was it's a really cool exhibit so i highly suggest you go check it out if you haven't and where is it located the fourth floor of the union fourth floor of the union you okay. go up the stairs it's on the right okay and on the left is where i work um <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool um and then another one that was personally very rewarding um was so there was a conference last semester. Um, it was the National Native Health Research Training. Uh, it was the first time they've ever hosted it. Mm. And it was on like Native American health. Mm. Um, so I was like, uh, it's literally perfect for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it was, in, it was in Denver. And so I think I saw like an advertisement for it and I was like, wow, that'd be really, call my mom up. I was like, look at mom, like this sounds really cool, but it would cost so much to go. Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, like ask around, like, you know, and, and at the time I was working at the Office for Sustainability, Marty Matlock, and he, he is really awesome. So I was talking to him about it and he's like, Olivia, like, you should go. And I'm just yeah. like, uh, <laughs> what? Um, and he's like, you should go, like, I'll help if you need me to. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> well, I, I emailed um, student affairs and because people were telling me like just, just start emailing people and yeah I'm like, okay like, i'm really nervous um, <laughs> so i wrote up like a whole proposal and like here's how much it would cost um which is really daunting when you've never you're just like yeah. send me like, I'm just, like <laughs> yeah um so it was really weird because i it was kind of like that weird like you get kind of in a, like a weird feeling you're like do i even deserve to go you know i, I feel like I've, I've worked hard for that and, right and i feel like that sounds very like oh my gosh look at me uh, but i feel like i really have mm -hmm. and i think it's it's hard for people that do a lot to really see because when they first told me I was going, I was like, I don't deserve to go. Like, mm -hmm. who am I, you know, to go to this? Right. A lot of students often have that reaction of like, oh, for sure. like feeling so, like a student, like they're yeah. they're not quite qualified, but you are, and you do, you do the work <laughs> and you do the research, right? And that's mm -hmm. like that's the next that's what you do. You go mm -hmm. learn about that research at a conference and share your experiences mm -hmm. and stuff too. Yeah. So I mean, those two things, and uh, personally, have been very. Um, rewarding for me and yeah. uh, and also just seeing NASA going where it has gone um but it, it is kind of like a weird feeling because yeah. I am graduating in December yeah. um and I will no longer be an officer after this semester <laughs> um so I'm really happy about it because I feel confident in the people that will um take my take place over. yeah and uh, I feel like they're, re they're really good people you know anybody in the organization I'm like Yes, like <laughs> I believe in you completely. Um, well, what's next for you? I think uh, education-wise, grad school. Um, so, and and I think after that, I, I do want to work within the Native American community. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to um, help my people, and I feel like because there sometimes there's not a lot of 
Mm, not just social workers. I mean, like, that's a really high demand um, job right now. Um, people that, you know, they want social workers. They want more people getting these degrees. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, but also just going back to the communities where I feel like need the help. Um, not only need the help, but I feel like um, personally it would be something that I would really want to do. Right. Um, because I feel like a lot of different tribes are doing a lot of good, great things mm -hmm. um, in terms of like the health systems and everything. Um, but I just want to be there to help out. Um, but I mean, a job's a job, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but uh, you know what I'm saying? When you get out of school, you're like, okay, like, I need a job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just working with Native American community would be like the dream. The dream. Um, dream job. Could you tell us about a leader in your life or just someone in general who has inspired you? I think the people that I have worked with have really been an inspiration. Um, and I could name a, for a handful. Yeah. Um, people I have worked with, people that I've worked for, um, have really probably just pushed me, but have really encouraged me. Um, like, like Marty Matlock, for example. Um, He's, he's a Cherokee Nation guy, and he, uh, he's really helped me, not just professionally, you know, he's my boss, but um, he made me think that I could do more. Mm -hmm. That, you know, like, um, like when I told him about the conference, he was like, you need to go. Right. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so I feel like, you know, he kind of voiced some things that maybe I felt, but mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was something that was really cool. And then, um, so Freddie Bowles, she's our advisor for NASA, but I've known her for years. And she's kind of helped me in my journey. And um, she, you know, has done research um, with the Choctaw Nation. So that was kind of cool. Um, but she's amazing too. And, you know, and my boss now, Brandy Flack, she is an, also an advocate for people. and. I, I just I just have so many people like I don't know like uh, they're just people that have pushed me right. to be better do better um, and that includes like my, my family obviously because um, my family has supported me throughout mm -hmm. this entire thing and so the leader wise um, you know I think the people I listed and, and many more obviously mm -hmm. um, like Carly Franklin she's the director of the social work department right um, and she's kind of helped me figure out what I want to do mm -hmm. um, with my life. But also just, like I said earlier, leaders are people that just want to affect change, want to do things. And I feel like just within Fayetteville, mm -hmm. there's so many of those people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. grassroots level. There's yeah. so many people that are just like, yes. And I'm just like that's what I'm here for like yeah. and it's a cool place yeah it's a really cool place yeah, and I like it so you know and Mayor Jordan's like legit so he's <laughs> he's really cool he's um, gonna be on our podcast yeah, I, I, yeah I've, I've met him a few times yeah he's really great he's a cool guy and and so I just feel like there's not like this like one person that's really like yeah it's been like oh you know yeah. <laughs> the holy like, grail of like leaders yeah know? but it, it's really been and also just historically just people that have stood up for groups or people that weren't being listened to mm -hmm. um, or didn't have the rights to be able to mm -hmm. voice those opinions. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I I'm think I, I think that's. Thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. But I also want to point out that a lot of the people that have inspired you. Um, you're doing a lot of those things, like mm-hmm. being a voice for people who, you know, may, may not have had a voice mm-hmm. um, or weren't being listened to, like you just mentioned. So I think that your leadership skills are, are I think you're mirroring what inspires you, which I think is really awesome. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Olivia, for being with us today. We're, thank you. It's nice talking to you. Yeah. I had a great time. A great time.